You've tuned into the Soundcast Stereo. I'm Christopher Coleman, your host. I'm on Channel One, and I think Peter Gabriel's sledgehammer fits Star Trek better than other sledgehammers. And I'm Eric Woods from Cinematic Sound Radio, and I'm on Channel Two. And, uh, wait, wait. Rihanna wrote a song for Star Trek? And this is episode three, where Eric and I discussed the recent hot topic on Twitter, because I tweeted it. Uh, what is the last film music theme, not TV or video game, that anyone of the general public would instantly recognize? Well, Eric, first, welcome back. Glad to have you on again to talk about some more film music uh, stuff of the week. Um, and I tweeted this out, as I, as I just mentioned, and got some very interesting feedback. I wanted to talk to you about it, because not only is trying to answer this question um, interesting unto itself, but the conversation that can kind of stem from it, I think is interesting too, because I really asked the question with a goal in mind of, of actually trying to prove a point. Um, and, and I think the point is somewhat proven. We'll see as, as we talk about it. Um, so what do you think, Eric, is the last film music theme that was a popular theme in terms of recognizability by the general public not what's a good theme what's your favorite theme what are you know what are some all-time classic themes but the last famous film music theme in terms of the general public being able to hear it and know oh that's from this movie um i'm i'm not really sure about the release date so i it could I'm think I don't know when Pirates of the Caribbean came out, uh-huh. um, but I'm thinking that that was just after Harry Potter, early two uh, thousands. I, I know, yeah, so early maybe two thousand two. But I think those were the last. I think two that really had an impact on the general public, and I say Harry Potter just because of the popularity of the film and then the film franchise as it went forward but also um i would say pirates of the caribbean just for the sheer amount of youtube videos that i saw of <laughs> people you know rocking out to uh pirates of the of the caribbean and it's really hard for me to think of anything else that's come out afterwards that had such an impact in popular culture yeah. where someone can go yeah that's from that movie, and even from some of the biggest box office draws, I don't think anybody would hum Michael Giacchino's Jurassic World theme, but they are going to come out of that film remembering John Williams's theme from 1993. Right. Yep. And so I went through my, my list of the last five years, and it's amazing that I know we're not talking about TV or video games, but I think television music, especially yes. the main themes from television, are having a far more are far more impactful. Yes. Again, I guess maybe because it's the week upon week yep. um, that has replaying. A lot to do with it. Yep. You know, Game of Thrones, you cannot go wrong with Game of Thrones. And I right. think that one's just stuck in everybody's head. I think that if we're going getting away just for film for a few seconds, I think that that might be overall the probably the most popular and most instantly recognizable theme right now out of uh, film, television, and video games. But it, you'd have to go back maybe 15 years to find one that had a real cultural um, impact and that most people would recognize and say, yeah, I know that one and I know who did it. Maybe not who know. Maybe who not did who it, did but, it. But, oh. but we know, we know, <laughs> no they, you know, they most likely would say Hans Zimmer. 
and Probably. they wouldn't be wrong. But you know, Pirates, <laughs> yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean, and they would say Pirates of the Caribbean for sure, and that's 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 the theme for Pirates of the Caribbean, and then Harry Potter is is easy as well. But I just, I just honestly can't think. It's really hard for me as a film music fan to separate myself from being a, a a real hardcore film music fan and and kind of stepping into the shoes of a general public and 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 I guess not really caring about the music from the movies. And it having like that kind of like, oh, boom, it's right in my face. I, I, I like that music. What is that music? And I just don't think it's happening anymore. Yeah. Well, that that's interesting, you know, because I'm in, in the same boat as you in terms of, you know, putting, trying to put myself in the general public shoes. We can't. It's impossible for it's us hard. to do that. But, you know, think stepping away objectively and just looking at the general public. That's And that's kind of where this question came from. As I look at the general public and I was like, who uh, who is really um, or or what theme do do just like people that I know at work, family, friends who have no real connection to film music? Uh, what when was the last time I heard them talk about a film music theme, uh, a new film music theme that they're like, oh, that I really like this music and I like the, this particular theme, and it and that was my kind of subversive purpose for asking the question because I think it has been a really, really long time and it, and it is a comment um, on the state of, of film music to a degree. Not that the guys and gals aren't out there who are capable of writing really memorable, beautiful themes. I just don't think they get the opportunity to. I don't think they're asked to um, like they used to be. Uh, and so that was really my underlying reason for asking it. Because, well, I'll read, let me read some, you've named some of the ones, because uh, we had a really good Twitter conversation a couple of days ago, a lot of response to this. Um, and number one, by far, people were saying Harry Potter, which I interpret to be Hedwig's theme, which someone named very specifically. Um, and, uh, well, let me keep going. After that was Pirates of the Caribbean, lots of responses to that, uh, with that. Gladiator was another one, uh, Jurassic Park slash World. Those were probably the top four responses uh, on Twitter. And then there was a second group that were kind of just a few responses. Um, the Misty Mountains from The Hobbit, Inception, Bella's Lullaby from Twilight, um, The Fellowship Theme from uh, Fellowship of the Ring, and Concerning Hobbits. And I found all of those uh, pretty interesting. Um, uh, I, I guess, relatively speaking, uh, Harry Potter and Pirates Caribbean, I guess, relatively speaking. But I know if I asked most of my family, they'd have no clue as to um, Harry Potter's thing. They'd recognize it and like, oh, I know that from somewhere. Um, and even less Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, so relatively speaking, we're saying which has been the most popular or well-known film music theme for the general populace over the last, I don't know, 20 years. Maybe those are it. But to me... I don't think those were massively uh, recognized themes overall. I think some people will know it, and I think a lot of people won't know it. Um, but you asked this, too, on Facebook. What kind of responses did you get? I got some strange ones, and it's it kind of goes back to the thought of there really hasn't been a real kind of popular theme in the past few years, and especially for this one person who has remembered Last of the Mohicans, as the last ninety last what ninety two, <laughs> as the last theme that she had ever heard. And what's interesting is that I got a response from someone who's uh, very close um, in my family, a friend of a, a friend of my parents actually, and she's a pretty big fan of uh, Bear McCreary. Mm. 
Um, so she recognizes his music quite a lot. But what I what is interesting is that for someone who isn't really a film music fan but likes Bear McCreary and knows his music, mm-hmm. but she had this to say that um, she remembers lots of films where she loved the music but promptly forgot them once the film was over. Hmm. So I think that is the case with most people mm-hmm. where, yeah, they like the music, but then, you know, 10 minutes later to ask them to hum the theme from how to train your dragon mm-hmm. they're they're not going to but they know that it was good music yes um you know it's really hard to find uh the next you know star wars raiders of the lost ark back to the future um in any film music these days yeah. and again you know jurassic world was brought up but again it's it's i think it's john williams, it's john williams. that they're thinking yeah. of um yeah. and then some uh more friends who were more kind of film people that actually have a bit of appreciation of film music. Uh, someone said Captain America: Civil War, um, and then uh, I had another person actually mention Joker's theme mm. from The Dark Knight, which, again, you could probably play that for ninety-five percent of the people out there, and they wouldn't they have know no what idea it's, what it's from. So there no really idea. isn't that kind of whiz bang. You know, after two notes, they're gonna. Oh yeah, that's Star Wars. Um, you know, what's also interesting is that out of all the Spielberg-Williams collaborations that we've had, um, they have yet to have kind of that one score that is like a Close Encounters or a Raiders or an E.T. Um, you know, in the past, how, what, since Jurassic Park maybe? You know, that, that one score where someone can, like could go, all right, I know the theme from from uh, War Horse or I know the theme from Tintin or, you know, they, even though that these guys are at the top of their, you know, they're the probably one of the biggest, best, you know, still living collaborations in film today, um, even though if the BFG does so well and it becomes this great, you know, hit and becomes a great children's classic, I'm pretty sure that John Williams' score will not be as memorable as, let's say, E.T., and um, that I find quite interesting is that you could probably make a compilation of John Williams' music. I would say after '93, and I'm not sure how many people would recognize what would be what was what's on that album. True, Maybe, uh, and that's that's kind of strange, isn't it? It, it is. It, the first the first when you started asking this question, the first thing that came to my head was Schindler's List. Um, yeah, I think I don't that, know, that, but th- that was on the same time as Jurassic Park, right? So if if you think of after '93. Oh, was it? Same you know, year. That's right. You're right. Yeah. What about Saving Private Ryan? At least the hymn to the fallen. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if they'd recognize where it's from. They'd be like, oh, I know. I've heard yeah. it before because it gets played at Memorial Day and, right. and you know, all of these Veterans Day. Um, uh, so maybe that's how. But those would be, that would be maybe maybe the most popular or I, I don't even know what to call this really. It's just recognized by the populace a, a, as a whole. Um, not many, but I don't, I, it, it's kind of a bewildering question. I ask it and I, and I want to know why. I mean, I said earlier, I think they don't get the opportunity, but they do get the opportunity. I just wonder if it, it has to be a perfect storm of things that kind of happened a lot in the eighties, I guess. I guess, uh, yeah. And just faded away to where you have this perfect storm of a great theme, Memorable theme attached to just a phenomena of a, a phenomenon of a film. Maybe those two things don't happen together like they used to. I don't know. 
It, it's strange. It is strange. It is really, really strange just to see that even though like a film like Avatar could come out and be the biggest movie yeah. in the universe, I don't think anybody would be able to recognize the music. I don't think no. anybody would miss James Horner for the second film. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, they might, but they might not know why. They right. might be like, something's different. Yeah. But they might not be able to articulate what it is that's different without yeah. James Horner's music in there. Um, well, I personally think... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I personally think if I'm looking back and I just try to step back as far as I can and look at the general population and what was the last just mega uh, popular film music theme, I have to go back to 97 with Titanic. That's the last time I can really think that just about every single person I get asked if I played a little bit of James, not not Celine Dion's theme, although her that song would have a lot to do with them recognizing Horner's work too. But if I played if I played other significant themes or pieces from Titanic, people would recognize it. All kinds of people would recognize it, and that's really the last one that I could think of that really had that mass recognition. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, and I no, I totally agree with that. I, I don't think there's been another score out there that has had such a such a huge following um, from the general public. And I mean, again, like you said, it could be because of Celine Dion. Um, most likely it was because of Celine Dion why that soundtrack became such a huge hit. But, you know, it's James Horner's song, so... Um, but I, yeah, you're right. Within a, within a minute of hearing the, that that recorder or those panpipes starting up the theme, anybody would get that that's Titanic. Um, again, I don't. I, although I'm not sure whether they'd understand that it was James Horner, um, but I'm sure that they would know it was Titanic. So, um, and I don't think people. I think people would say maybe it was James John Williams. <laughs> maybe <laughs> like, John Williams. Maybe. Know? Yeah. But part of it too. Here's it just dawned on me. It's very distinctive. Titanic doesn't really sound like any other. True. Even there's pieces of it that sound mm-hmm. obviously like James Horner stuff. But the things that are most identifiable, which you named already, um, and then even the kind of synthy part of it or Sissel, um, a lot of those things are very, very iconic, and and right. they, they they're just not attached to anything else. And so you hear yeah. it and you're like, oh, I know exactly what that is. And maybe that's a part of it. Um, you know, some people mention like Inception or some other things that have some very iconic sounds to it, um, and, and I think that's an ingredient too. Um, but yeah, I just it's and that's tw- twenty years ago, man. Right, T- twenty years ago. Yeah, that is really sad. I'm just I'm just kind of wondering what would have to happen for for something like another Star Wars or um or Back to the Future or something like that to happen and I th- I don't think it can because there are so many movies released in one given weekend where if you look back at the times that we're talking about which is the late 70s and early 80s look at the movies that were released during that time there were maybe one or two new films a week and sometimes these movies would play for an entire year, and that's how they would gain their box office fame and their uh, their, their 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 following. Um, I and I mean I don't I, I don't know you know we were we were teenagers um, around that time or you know in our twenties, and I don't know whether it's a um, you know an age thing. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't. I just. I just. I just don't know what the magic formula is for films these days, and film scores to have that. To, I. I don't know whether we're going to get another Titanic again, ever. I something something's going to happen. It's going it, to. It'll be a perfect storm. It'll happen. Um, I, I think our age may have something to do with it, but our age has nothing to do with the general populace. You know what right. I mean? Either a song, either a, a score blows up and becomes this larger than life thing or it doesn't it doesn't matter whether we like it or not or you know what i mean it's it will just do it like like um frozen i mean i i think that is one of the most mediocre animated films i've ever seen and i think the music is mediocre but i can stand back and say but it's hugely popular the music at least the songs are hugely popular has nothing to do with me being old or you know liking other ones but it I just step back and say, yeah, it's undoubtedly um, a, a massively popular and well-recognized uh, uh, piece of music, or at least the songs. Um, so, you know, there's something else within Hollywood. There's something, or just audience as a whole, maybe audiences don't won't be able to relate to a very straightforward um, classic James Horner or classic... John Williams type of score where that theme, you know, just it's very there. Here it is. It's not it's complicated. It's not got all these subtleties. It's just boom. Here's a heroic theme. And here you go. Enjoy it. You know, I don't know if our if our society, our culture embraces that anymore or if it looks at it kind of sideways and like, well, is this tongue in cheek or, you know, you know what I mean? I don't think it just is as earnest um, as it used to be in movies. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting you brought up Frozen because I totally forgot about Frozen. But you're right, <laughs> uh, you're right. Because my kids, well, my kid, my daughter, um, mm. just saying that all the time. But um, you know, it, it, going back to why did it become a big hit? And I again, I don't think we can predict these things. I don't think anybody could have predicted that Frozen would be Disney's next biggest hit. And I don't think anybody ever predicted that the Little Mermaid would have turned around Walt Disney the way it did back in 1989. So it just, I, I, I don't know when the stars align, um, but it's, I hope it happens again. Uh, I thought that maybe the Lord of the Rings would have done that. Um, but it's, I, I, I don't, I think is the question that you've asked and, and, and the why it's just, I'm left speechless because I don't know why. It's such a strange phenomenon, and I don't know why we aren't getting as many, like, back in the day. I, like there, It just used to be all over the place. People knew the music. It was really strange, and I'm not sure way, whether it's because of the marketing, um, whether the compositions as a whole aren't as good. Um, is music being allowed to kind of step forward and and be recognized like they should are composers writing the tunes that are going to become popular hits uh are, you know are kids and even adults just listening to too much top 40 and they just don't care um i i, I don't i don't know just you just know that back in the 80s at, at least you know some parents had a, you know maybe five or six certain soundtracks that 
would maybe be considered classics these days. You know, there was always someone that had Star Wars or Ennio Morricone's The Mission, you know, and everybody in the known universe now has Titanic. And I just don't know. uh, I don't know how that happens. It's such a strange, strange question. And it's amazing that we've able to talk about it for 20 minutes because I looked at this question and I'm like, I don't know even where to go. But again, I don't, I, I don't know whether you want to get into how maybe film music has kind of taken a step back to television. Um, because again, like I said, Game of Thrones, if you're looking for probably the most popular theme right now that I think anybody and everybody uh, could recognize, I think it would be Game of Thrones. Although I think so. I, uh, I, I'm, you know what else is that? is it because of the main title in I think in so. in you know these bigger you know show um uh showtime and and HBO they're willing to give a composer 2 minutes to write something to get <laughs> right. things There's set up right actually a show open with titles right yeah i think it's that but be i mean it's got to be beyond that because not everyone has HBO not everyone watches Game of Thrones, but they know that theme, and it's because there's so many covers of it. There's mm-hmm. so m- it's just it just became part of pop culture, right? It's, right. And and that's what doesn't happen very often. These themes don't become TV, film, video games. Now, video games probably even more than than films in the last twenty years because you know people playing these games over and over again. I bet more people know the Tetris. Well, that's more than twenty years, but some something from. Super Mario Brothers. Years. Super Mario they'll Brothers. Know, yeah. yeah. They'll know those themes better than they will uh, film music themes. Right. Uh, just for repetition. And it was everywhere. Kids playing it all the time. You know, they'll recognize it. But you, it, And I guess that's a part of it. Um, TV, back in the day, the 80s and whatnot, it had little silly silly ditties, you know. At, well, not all of them. But, um, uh, the, but music that didn't compete with film. Video games, Atari, you know, it wasn't really themes going on there. Um, and, and so now film has to compete with all of all of that. And and just the trends with film music, like today, in fact, I've heard two things talked about today in the last couple of days so much. One, of, of course, season finale, Game of Thrones and the Light of the Seven theme that uh, Javadi wrote, which is right. beautiful. It is. Um, it was stunning. And everyone's talking about how good the music was in that. And I love hearing it. I mean, every single recap or review I've heard of the on the finale, they've mentioned the music, which is just so, it just makes my heart feel all warm inside when they do that. But but on the flip side, the other news that came out was that um, Junkie XL is doing Justice League. And there was e- not equal passion, but uh, everyone was kind of like, yay. And I'm thinking, and they're like, because one of, they would say to a man, because one of the best things of BVS was the score. I don't know if you've seen that movie yet, but no. Um, and, and I'm like, all I can tell you about that score is that it was, it just beat me. It, it was just percussive. I know it wasn't only, but that's what I remember. That's my experience of it. It was just, it matched the movie perfectly. It was just a beat down like we talked about before. And they're excited about this. And I'm like, I'm not. I mean, he's talented. I mean, I like his Deadpool score. I know a lot of people don't. I like what he did with Deadpool. It was interesting. BVS was extremely uninteresting in its music. And for people to be excited for more of that says something. There's not, I mean, maybe there's a theme in there somewhere. I watched the movie once. I've listened to the score once. And I was like, there's nothing in there for me. And so that, but that says something about what, a lot of 
society wants in their film music. They, whatever that is, they seem to be into it. And that is not strong thematic writing, memorable thematic writing. Um, I defy any of those people who are so excited about Junkie XL doing Justice League to give me a piece from their brain, hum something from BVS. They couldn't. There's no way. Right, yeah, and it's, I don't think, I don't think tunes are, um, or sing-song tunes are very important to them and their mu- music or movie-going experience. And I don't know how old the people were who were applauding Junkie XL's they were younger. Uh, yeah. They were probably so, 30s, uh, 30s. You know, I think that, um, you know, as the comic book movie evolves from what you and I enjoyed from, like, Superman and Batman with Williams and Elfman, and that it's involved, it evolved into this more really, you know, kind of cool, um, younger, um, more action-packed, louder sound... Um, honestly, I don't. I, I I don't think it matters who scores these movies anymore, because hmm. like we're talking about, nobody's going to care or remember. But I think they the the younger audience or the people that do enjoy these comic book movies, uh, like getting bashed over the head with this sort of stuff, and it's just kind Apparently. of just just cool flavor of the month, uh, type type music, and it doesn't have to be that involved anymore you don't really need to uh to care as much because the soundtrack album is not going to sell you much anyway and the score can just be there and it's not really making an impact on the film one way or the other uh as far as i mean the way the way the film music is going right now and and who's scoring especially the bigger blockbusters it's just it's amazing and we keep talking about this and you know you can call me an old fart or whatever but it's just the you're right. The tunes don't matter. It's 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 make this a functional score. Um, don't interfere, mm-hmm. and just do your job, and 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 we're done. Mm-hmm. And you know, even winning uh, an Oscar doesn't matter. A Grammy doesn't matter. Uh, having the highest selling album doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's just do this job, and 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 especially with the advent, uh, the you know, with, with with people using computers and whatnot, it's just that can you be flexible enough? Yeah. to change this score at the last second. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference right now is that you got a, a generation of people who are now creating music on their own in their own basements, offices, bedrooms, or whatever. Yep. And they're playing around with computers, and the computer is becoming the most important instrument rather than any sort of musical training or knowledge. And there's nothing... Mm. I don't, there's nothing essentially wrong with that. It's just that now everybody thinks that they can just pound away at a keyboard or or or, or a piano or whatever recorded into the computer, and they think they're film composers, mm-hmm. and that's not true. You might mm-hmm. be able to make something that's filmic, mm-hmm. but then to actually study and know what a movie needs and how, like, here's you know, I don't know if you, if if anybody I I saw this and I think it was on Scott Glasgow's Facebook page. And someone had created a video on how James Horner scored the kiss sequence in Titanic and Mm. how he used odd rhythms and beats to hit certain aspects of the movie. Mm. And of course, I mean, we all know that as sync points. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it, it's basically a typical uh, 4-4 rhythm that Mm -hmm. he has to adjust to certain moments. And I would think that, and if you watch it, 
and I recognize this when I saw the movie as well, that you know, when uh, Jack and Rose kiss for the very first time there on the front of the Titanic, Horner doesn't score the kiss. What he mm. scores happens a couple of beats later when Rose's hand comes behind and grabs Jack by the back of the neck and mm. presses him closer for the kiss. And that's where James Horner lets his theme uh, really kind of explode because mm. that's the most important part. It's that embrace, not the kiss. Mm. It's the embrace. And that's where they fall in love. Mm. And, and, and that's what makes composers like James Horner so great because he can dig a little deeper and not create that functional score. Do, does anybody get that again? Going back to your to your initial question is like, does anybody care? I don't. I don't think, think so. Consciously. I, don't, I don't. I don't think so. And that's why now anybody can be a film composer, and and you can, if you got the right sound, that's fine. But there's more to it, and that's what I think is missing from a lot of film music these days. It's it's just really digging deeper and, and finding that extra layer and it, whether it's an emotion or, or a certain off screen, something that you might not notice. Um, it's, it's, I don't, it's not laziness, but it's just, again, functional scoring. Yes. And that's what I think is the biggest issue and why maybe things aren't becoming as memorable as they are, because it's just not memorable and it's not supposed to be remembered. Hmm, that's interesting. Let, let me respond sad. to let me respond to a couple of those things that you just said. I, I don't I agree with you. I don't think people care consciously, but I think and and, and my, the two things I want to say are related. I think subconsciously they're affected by it. Um they don't come out humming that theme. Um they're not carrying that film with them outside of the doors of the theater they saw it in, maybe in a conversation or whatnot, but on an emotional, on a different level, emotionally or psychologically carrying that, that movie with them. And it, and it, and the more they hum it, the deeper it goes into their psyche. Um, One, you know, younger audiences who were born post eighties and maybe mid nineties, haven't didn't have that experience that you and I and a lot of other people have had where you went to the movies and you came out on cloud nine, you know, humming the Raiders theme or the E.T. theme or um, Star Wars. You know, those are a big part of the experiences of those movies as a first time viewer of them is the music and how you how you carry it with you when you leave. You know, of course, back then, too. You know, you weren't getting a VHS copy of it for 10 years later or something. You weren't. The only way you're going to see it again is you go to the theater or you listen to the soundtrack or you hum it in your mind and you relive the moments of the film. That's how we did it. And that experience, I don't think I don't think a lot of the some of the younger generations are having when they go to the movies. And it's not even something they think about, but they've not had that same level of an emotional experience. They come out and they love a movie and they think it's awesome and it's wonderful, uh, but they're not carrying that musical memory with them. You know what I mean? And consciously, like, man, the music was so good. Just like people carried the musical memory of Game of Thrones uh, season six finale with them and they talk about it. It's like, man, the music in that was so good. Even though they're saying the cinematography is good, the acting was great, the writing was great. But that music was great. You know what I mean? It's just something they, for films, they've just left in the theater because there's other stuff that's so great. 
and they're just missing it. And they haven't had that experience to know that they're missing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's a part of it. I think that's a part of it. Um, and it it's concerning. Well, before we wrap up, I did mention, at least when I teased this out on Twitter, that we're going to talk a little bit about, and I think it's a related topic, um, the announcement and the re- release of Rihanna's uh, song, Sledgehammer, for Star Trek Beyond. Um, I was absolutely shocked when that news came out. I had no idea that was coming. I mean, I just didn't know it was coming, and that's why it shocked me. Not that, you know, um, it it just shocked me. Um, and I, obviously, it's marketing, uh, but it it came out right around the time I was having this discussion on Twitter, and I think that it's related. I think it's, man, I don't know if it's to sell the soundtrack or not, but it's at least to get people talking about the film, even if it's just in context of, oh, that's Rihanna's song, oh, and it's in that Star Trek movie, even if it's just for that. Uh, but still, that used to be the domain of the original score. It's like, oh, that score, that's from that movie. You know what I mean? Mm. But now it's, and even Star Trek, it's like everyone knows the Star Trek theme, whether it's the original Alexander Karaj theme, Karaj theme or Jerry Goldsmith's theme. Everyone knows that. They hear it like, that's from Star Trek, right? Yeah, right, that's Star Trek. Uh, but now it's, oh, I hear that song by Rihanna. Yeah, you hear it? Yeah, that's from the new Star Trek movie. That's so bizarre to me. That's it, it's almost anathema to me. It's like, how can they do that? But yeah, ugh. yeah. I mean, what's your reaction? It, well, it, it, it'll again. We're, we're such a we're such a small, small, small we minority. Are. Oh no, no. And, and 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 no, you have every right to be, I guess, uh, for to be upset. And I'm upset because all it is is a marketing ploy, and it doesn't. I. I listened to the lyrics. I heard the song. I, I don't know. I don't even know how in the world this fits. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> and and I'm. It's going to be sad that if we see this movie, and during the main credit sequence at the end, you know, oh, director, yeah. editor, blah blah blah. If this is the song that's going to play in oh, Jacino's yeah, canned theme from the the 2009. Uh, uh, movie is all that plays over top of the end credits, and they didn't get. And, and if Giacchino didn't have a chance to write an end credit suite for this film, mm-hmm. because Rihanna had to spend four minutes just droning her way through another song that mm-hmm. is just so not relatable to anything. It's it. This is not. This is totally the opposite of the Celine Dion approach. Because mm-hmm. Celine Dion's song, while a modern song for 1997 at mm. least had the feel of the original score. It sure. fit. It yeah. blended seamlessly. Um, a lot like the good James Bond songs. Mm-hmm. You know, they are written by the composer <laughs> for a reason. Yeah. And and this is just marketing BS. It's terrible stuff. And I... I, I'm I'm dumbfounded, and you know what? What is really strange is if they're, it's a single. That's it. If yeah. and, and, and that's again, and that's another world that we're in. We're in the single world. We're not out selling albums. We don't care right. about selling complete albums. It's just let's release this single. This isn't yeah. even on Verez's album, right. whether whether you want it to be or not. But 
think of about how many more copies then, if you're thinking about marketing, uh, this would have sold. And then maybe these people would listen to Giacchino's music. That could be the maybe win of this situation. But nope. Every, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the comment where, yeah, we loved Rihanna's uh, score to Star Trek Three. <laughs> I can't wait for that one. That's just going to blow me away. Oh, you're going to hear that. I just, I just, I, where is this going to, is this, is this a piece of source music? Is this the end credit music? I don't know. And, and it's like the overuse of Sabotage by Beastie Boys in the trailers. It's, it's just, I don't, I, why can't they just let Star Trek live on its own without going into such, <sighs> That era's over, bro. It's, so it's over. Crazy. It's so crazy. It's, it's annoying. But I think we're the only ones that care. And we aren't the ones buying Rihanna's sledgehammer. It's Do you true. know how this you know how this is it released already? Because I mean I heard it during the trailer. I think so. But, yeah. uh, has it been do has it been doing well? <laughs> I mean, oh, I guess that's I all that matters. I don't know. Yeah, that I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's for sale. I mean, you can stream it Spotify and everywhere. So in terms of sales, I have no idea. Um, so I, you know, and, and I'll be honest, I don't hate the song on its own. I'm not even a Rihanna fan, but when I heard the song, I was like, eh, it's not a bad song, but it makes no sense right. as far as I can tell in relation to Star Trek. In fact, I tweeted out, I, I printed out, I took a screenshot of the lyrics from Rihanna's Sledgehammer, and I took a screenshot of uh, Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer from whatever, <laughs> 80 something. And like, really, song. if you read the lyrics, yeah. neither of them fit, but, but... Peter Gabriel's makes a little more sense in a Star Trek context than this. This has nothing to do with right. anything. Yeah. So it it just breaks my heart, especially that it's attached to Star Trek. Not this iteration of Star Trek. It doesn't absolutely shock me with this iteration of Star Trek because this is becoming more and more pop um, space action. Mm-hmm. You know, they hired Justin Lin. And they're just going in the space action direction for for the popular. For the masses. Yep. And so, okay, you know, uh, I, I think the shock wore off. And then it was just like, just dis- utter disappointment that they're continuing to go further and further and further in this direction, which is further and further away from the Star Trek that I love. Um, and that's a selfish thing. And maybe more people will like this Star Trek than ever like the other. But, you know, there is nothing to replace the old Star Trek. There's just nothing there. It, it's It's gone. Um, so it's disappointing to me. But, you know, this is the way things are going. I don't think it's going to stop or change anytime soon, unfortunately. In fact, I watched a thing. Uh, I don't know if you know who Comic Book Girl 19 is. She has a great YouTube channel. She did this little short thing about talking about uh, what Hollywood is doing uh, in terms of movies. She read this book. I forget the title. Something, something Hollywood. Anyway, it's talking about the shift from... And we see it happening before our very eyes. You know, some of these movies are making much more money overseas than they are here in the U.S. And that's intentional. China, Russia, and so forth are growing exponentially while the U.S. box office is shrinking. And so they're beginning to tailor their movies for international success because I forget how many years. In the book, I think it talks about things flip-flopping to where it's going to be 80-20 in some years where 20% of the mar- of the box office is U.S. and 80% is elsewhere. And they're tailoring their movies for that. They're dumbing them down. Well, I hate to say dumbing them down. They're, they, they don't have to be so as sophisticated. And this sounds bad like I'm disparaging other uh, ethnicities and stuff. But the fact is, as she makes in her video, the point she makes is 
that China, you know, it's just, it's opening up to all of these Western movies now. I mean, it's just happening. And so they're getting all this flood of Western movies for the first time. So the tropes, the things that are tropes to us will be brand new to them, which makes it easier on the producers and directors. If you, you don't have to get clever because, oh, everyone knows this trope or everyone knows this storyline. We got to mix it up. We got to, you know, we got to work harder to entertain our audiences in the U.S., whereas in some of these places where they haven't seen all of these movies, and it's why they're kind of doing these soft reboots of all these things, because the, these things haven't been seen overseas before. So it makes total sense. But what breaks my heart is that that's not going to change, and it's going to become more and more this way. And I think that affects the music. I think the music will be more and more kind of as you described it. It's just don't get in the way. Just kind of support what's there. But don't call too much attention to yourself. And I, and I think that trend, if for no other reason, will continue to affect film music um, and not give us these, these massively popular uh, film themes like we were used to in the 70s and 80s. Any final thoughts about all this? I know it's depressing, but it's interesting to talk about it and to kind of suss it out and figure it out. Why are things happening? At least speculate on why these things might be happening yeah well you're you're not wrong about you know films uh doing poorly here and doing very well overseas i mean we're seeing that effect happening with uh, warcraft right now yep where it's just making a killing overseas and independence day and yeah right and so i, I i'm not really sure sh- and, and you think about the music in those two movies too right it's yeah it's, they're just so bleh Yes, really, bleh. And and think matter. about what Javadi can do. We oh, heard yeah. it. Yeah. We just heard what he can do. That's and right. And then you hear Warcraft, and it's like, what is that? Yeah. And then you oh. know, there's no David Arnold with Independence Day, and it just yeah. goes to show it doesn't. It and doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, they didn't ask him. It doesn't matter anymore. Oh. Um, but I mean, I'm not going to say that David Arnold's going to give uh, Independence Day more, you know, money or ticket sales. No. Um, but uh. I, I don't I don't I don't know. Maybe it's good that David Arnold isn't part of something like that because imagine him coming back to yeah. US blockbusters and this is what he has to do. No yeah. one would work with him again. I mean yeah. nobody's working with him right now, but it's just this would probably have been his last shot. Mm-hmm. Um because God, it's like guys like David Arnold, uh, Lee Holdridge, Bruce Broughton, we can go on and on and on or just oh, yeah. think about how amazing comic book movie scores could be if if you just give it to the guys who really really know what they're doing and i'm not just saying oh my god even chris young chris young on 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 batman strange or doctor yeah i mean at least at least jacchino's working on which is the one he's working on which is he's on doctor strange right so i mean that's okay yeah um uh, i don't know what he's gonna do and what he's gonna deliver but i mean that's something different it just seems like and then we get sylvester still i mean we talked about comic books a couple weeks ago and sylvester's coming back so maybe something maybe. is happening, but just think about what could have been. Imagine if all these comic book movies came out in the 80s. Oh, my oh, goodness. Man. And I think I said that last time, too. It's just so depressing. It's such a, for, to, be a film music, to be a film music fan for Hollywood blockbusters, it's incredibly disappointing and depressing. Yeah. Um, where we now have to really look elsewhere and out of country and in overseas and in different countries and in smaller television shows and productions to really find those gems. 
It's true. And I mean, that's that's why you and I are here. I mean, we gotta we gotta unearth those and let everybody know that you know film music's still alive and well, right? But just not in Hollywood. I don't. I, it's really sad because that's where that's where the best stuff used to be composed, and now it's, it's just on such a mediocre level. And um, and and just to sum it all up, I mean, that's one of the reasons why. I mean, you and I, we know our film music. Uh, it's really hard for us to find something that I think everybody in the world would recognize from a yes. film that has come out since 1997. What mm-hmm. a sad state of affairs. It really is. Uh, it and really... it, and I, again, I don't, I, we're, I, we just keep going in circles and keep going in circles. I, I think I, <laughs> I, there's nothing more I can say here with just, I'm still confused. I'm totally and utterly confused by this entire topic. And, yeah. um, and that's what's really it's just it's making me angry. <laughs> and I'll just say, you know, from our side, look, just like as you, just like you said, we, you know, we listen to everything. We're digging and we're trying to find stuff all the time. You know, for us, we're okay. The film, the, the film music fan is going to be okay. There's lots of stuff out. This has been a good year for film music, not for well-known stuff, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of good titles released this year. We're okay, but just not having. Just knowing that most of the audiences out there are not getting that experience that we used to have so commonly uh, 30 years ago, uh, that's that's what breaks my heart. It's like, man, and if that happens, and if less and less people are cognizant and conscious of the contribution of film music and don't have that emotional connection to it, then no one's going to invest the time or money in it. Uh, into the with the right people paying all of these musicians all of that stuff to give us that kind of music they're just not going to do it because people aren't going to care consciously they're going to care and so that's what scares me about not having the occasional titanic you know once every 10 years maybe at least something just kind of blowing up and putting everyone's attention on the music maybe that's game of thrones job right now i don't know but it, it it breaks my heart that it's not happening more often not for me but for for the masses, you know? Yeah, and I'm also wondering what is out there now for the new film music fan. What is that mm. score that's going to spark the interest? Where? What is the next Harry Potter? Mm-hmm. What's the next um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? What's the next Star Wars? What's the next, you know, whatever score, you know, yeah. the generation's... There's, there's generations set up that, hey, I got into film music. And I can remember, I, I read, you know, film music posts. You know, I got into film music because of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I got into film music because of Harry Potter. I remember mm-hmm. hearing, a friend of mine actually got into it because of The Rock um, in wow. 1996. And, but what is that, what is there now that a new, you know, bright-eyed <laughs> um, yeah. moviegoer, like even like my son, he's 10, I don't know what is out there for him to like, I don't expect him to become a film music fan, but what is what's out there right now? That's going to go, Hey, you know what? I'm, I I like this stuff and I bet you there's more stuff like that out there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I, well, you know, I think, I honestly think that you should continue this conversation later on and grab some new film music fans and have them on the show and talk about, you know, what they're listening to you know, now mm. and what's impacted them in the last five years, because they, I think are going to have a better um, understanding of, 
what a younger generation or what somebody right now would be listening to that might pique their interest. Because right, right now, I, I, if I was the age I was when I first recognized film music and fell in love with it, which was around six or seven, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine being six or seven now and picking something out that wasn't maybe a classic movie that my dad showed me. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what that's where I guess my interest might have to be like, oh my God, dad, what are we watching? Oh, Indiana Jones is pretty cool. Yeah. All right, now let's go explore your collection or whatever. Yeah. I just don't know what there is right now where a kid's gonna watch a, a movie and go, I, I want to get into this. This is this is what I want to do. I'm really interested in that, honestly, because I don't know. I think that would be a, a, a fantastic uh, topic and, and what kids in these days are actually looking for. Yeah. Um, in, in, in film music, if they are at all are interested in it. Yeah, it's good. I, that's it, That would be a good conversation. I have a feeling it would be very Hans Zimmer centric. Yeah. I, I think it would be. Um, and, and I think that's what they're looking for, too. I, I could be wrong, but that, that would be a good conversation to have. Absolutely, it would be. Um, well, I think that'll wrap it up. I don't think we could ever really wrap up this conversation because it's 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 unendingly fascinating in terms of the directions that the conversation has gone and could continue to go. Um, I'd love to hear from our audience. You know, you can add, maybe you're a new film music um, fan, and I'd, we'd love to hear what your what you're listening to, what got you into film music, um, or was it t- television music that that kind of grabbed you first, or video game music. Uh, we'd love to hear that from you and you can respond to the show in a number of ways. Uh, you can always send us an email at soundcast at tracksounds.com. Um, if you want to just leave us a voicemail, we have a speak pipe widget on our site at tracksounds.com. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter, uh, at tracksounds. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. So there's plenty of ways for you to share your thoughts about this topic. Maybe you agree with us or disagree, uh, on why this is or, how it's come to be, we'd love to hear that from you as well. Um, well, Eric, thanks so much again. This is three times, four times in a row. Appreciate you taking time uh, out. Where can people find and follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sinsound Radio. And if you want to listen to my radio shows, then please head over to cinematicsound.net. Awesome. All right, well, that's going to wrap up episode three of Soundcast Stereo. So until our next episode, we want to tell you to keep the knob in the middle. <laughs> is, that, is that how we're ending? That's how we're ending. <laughs> I want to keep the guessing.